As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The views given on the following program are not necessarily the views of the station management or staff. Since individual situations can and will be different, please remember this when exercising any options presented by our guests. This is Care for My Wealth with Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management, your fee-only investment firm. Now, here's your Care for My Wealth guy, Chris Klein. And happy Saturday morning to you. This is Care for My Wealth here on Fox Sports 1070, the game. Hanging out this morning as we do every Saturday morning with Mr. Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management. The website, careformywealth.com. That's care. ForMyWealth.com, telephone number 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. You can also email Chris. His email address is info at careformywealth.com. That's I-N-F-O at careformywealth.com. Now a guy who's got a great musical ear, among other things, Mr. Chris Klein. Chris, how you doing this week, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. But I've got a voice that doesn't go with music. <laughs> with you there, my friend. I'm there, too. <laughs> We're just talking about the intro song. It's it's a very, very catchy tune um, that that uh, that Chris uh, that Chris brought to us uh, to play for the intro of the show. And so much and I feel like a broken record when I say this, but every week when we talk so much has gone on since we spoke last. And uh, and you were telling me before the show, um, the U.S. dollar, a lot's been going on there, but especially even yesterday. Uh, it was quite the mover, wasn't it? Oh, goodness, yeah. I mean, you know, so currency, as you know, doesn't typically move a whole lot. And, and you know, we we work pretty hard to try and track global currencies against the U.S. dollar, just in terms of helping us recognize whether or not the dollar is um, in, in a bearish trend or a bullish trend and whether or not global currencies are outperforming the U.S. dollar and to what extent. Um and it's important because it affects so many other asset classes, risk assets primarily across the board, but specifically commodity assets. And yesterday, the U.S. dollar was up, you know, 80, 90 basis points. So that's 0.8 to 0.9 percent. 
Now, just that's a lot. The last time we saw the U.S. dollar in a day move anywhere over 80 basis points, we got to go all the way back to like, like in in June and July, maybe. So the the whole world, you know, in terms of consensus, and when we talk about consensus, we're we're talking about essentially the street, the machine. The machine is net long the U.S. dollar. So when they get days like what we had yesterday in the U.S. dollar, they cheer and say, yay, the U.S. dollar is breaking out. And they look for a single factor model like a moving average. And they say, oh, it broke above that moving average. Now it's going to tear. So we're going to get longer. Well, one of the things that has been true and one of the things that you can backtest very simply and easily is that when consensus gets overly net long, or overly net short, opposite is likely to happen. So in other words, when consensus buys piles and piles and piles of US dollars, and they end up, and we track this sort of stuff, and we get new updates from, uh, from CFTC futures and options contracts every single Monday that shows us whether the street got longer or shorter in any one asset class. <clears throat> and if I look back to uh, where it was this past Monday on the 25th, uh, the U.S. dollar, uh, so consensus actually got longer to what's called a 2.3x z-score. Z-score is just kind of a standard deviation perspective. And, and so when, when the street is that net long, the U.S. dollar, it's very, very, very likely that we're going to see the dollar reverse. So we don't know what this next week is going to hold, Sean, but I can tell you this, with the government spending like a drunken sailor, with inflation ripping people's eyelids off, which is a function of the inverse movement of the dollar, dollar down, commodities up, you know, all that sort of stuff that goes with it. It is highly, highly unlikely that we're just going to just all of a sudden move into a quad four cycle of deflation where the dollar rips higher. The signs aren't there. The signs that you would typically see having happen consistently would be high yield spreads widening, nervousness entering the bond market, interest rates on the 10-year treasury on a global scale collapsing. Well, that's not happening. I mean, global interest rates are on a tear to the upside. In fact, just on Friday, yesterday, um, overnight, Australia's 10-year bond, uh, uh, bond yield was up 24 basis points in a day. Now, for anybody who's never tracked global bond yields before, you're just going to have to take my word for it that that's ginormous. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge, huge move. Germany's 10-year bond was uh, at new cycle highs. Same for the Swiss 10-year bond. Uh, you, we've got the calculus of the movement of the interest rate for the U.S. 10-year treasury at 1.72%. Well, what's the catalyst for this? Well, it's likely going to be a hawkish jobs report, meaning better than expected this next Friday, right? And, and so when that happens, you're likely to see interest rates just kind of peel to the upside. And so, you know, we're just constantly looking for the, the ideas that give us inclination as to what's happening in the global market. And from a currency perspective, what happened yesterday in the US dollar was absolutely a lot. Starting the day, the top end of the range of the US dollar at 94 spot 08. So when it hit 94, we started buying more commodities like copper, like um, like uranium, 
<laughs> it's funny. The other day I said to my son, hey, guess what? We just bought uranium. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> what are you going to do with uranium? <laughs> I don't know. Hope make money on it. That's the idea behind it. So, you know, it's a commodity. You know, and when you're a, when you're a macro kind of investor, it doesn't matter what you own as long as in the quadrant that you're in for an economic cycle, it back tests bullish. And that the signal is telling you it's time to buy that thing. And so you get that when the dollar taps the top end of that range on a on an ongoing basis. So <clears throat> commodities across the board were, for the most part, on sale. Um, and it includes natural gas and oil. As I said, you know, things like uh, uh, corn, cotton, wheat, all those kinds of commodity things, right? So the expectation for us is that we see the dollar reverse into next week because the street is super net long. They probably got longer this past week because they saw the dollar moving up. People get excited and the machine starts chasing that thing, whatever the thing is, right? And so when the machine starts chasing the thing, and then that's usually where you start to see it fall apart. The uh, Swiss franc flipped bullish comparative to the US dollar. And okay, fine. Well, if the US franc is bullish, that means that the US dollar is bearish. <laughs> Same sort of thing with all the other major currencies that are out there, the euro, the yen, the pound, the Canadian dollar. All of them are bullish in comparison to the US dollar itself. So it's one of these kinds of scenarios and one of these kinds of things where it's easy to get your eyes glazed over by the, the movement, the, the percentage, the, the dollar value of the movement of a currency but we can't lose sight of where we are on the economic sign curve. And all of the data continues to point to, towards the fact that we're working into an acceleration of GDP. And look, Sean, I'm gonna mm -hmm. tell you, it's that acceleration is gonna get bigger than what people expect because oh. Q3 GDP numbers came down. Well, yeah, we expected that. Why? Because in Q3, what did we talk about? Stagflation. Well, what's stagflation? A deceleration of economic growth defined by GDP. Well, when you get a deceleration of the number happening, you come outside of that. Now we're in Q4. We're not in Q3 anymore. So the street's looking at what was. We're looking at what will be. That acceleration of GDP is what will drive the risk asset classes in the upward direction. And one of the telltale signs that keeps pointing out to us that, hey, this is a quad two cycle growth and inflation accelerator. Did I lose you, Chris? I don't know if you can hear me. Um... It all is the same. They're all moving up at the same time. And the only economic quadrant as back tested as we've talked about that that happens in is quad two growth and inflation accelerating. And the inflation accelerating part is happening at a rate and at a time that frankly, a lot of people can't handle it, but it's not going to get any better in the near term. Probably higher than people expect. Wouldn't be surprising. Don't know that it's going to happen, but wouldn't be surprising to see a Q4 CPI number come in and you won't get this report until after the, the turn of the year, but it wouldn't be surprising to see it come in with a six handle. Now imagine that. The Fed is so far behind and so off They've got their data off by like 150% from, from the data that they said, well, this is what we expect compared to what happened. Oh. 150%. Last time I checked, if I'm wrong at 150%, I don't probably have a job. <laughs> that's not working. But, you know, these guys continue to point out things that have been rather than pay attention to the things that will be. 
So focusing on what's happening in the currency market is a helpful guide in terms of positioning the portfolio into the appropriate things at the appropriate time. And as I said, the modeling system that we use gives us at volume and volatility tells us when to buy something. Talking this morning with Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management, the website careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. Sorry, Chris, didn't mean to interrupt you there. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I I just was kind of finishing up a thought, actually, because one of the things I want to tell you about is what's happening with food inflation. And this is a big deal because we're coming into Thanksgiving. We're obviously going into the holiday season, into Christmas. Lots and lots and lots of food typically gets, uh, gets bought, right? <clears throat> the food cycle is something that often can be viewed in terms of not just what's happening with currency and the U.S. dollar, because most all of these commodities function opposite of what the dollar does. So dollar goes down, commodities go up. And again, our perspective is that the dollar tapped at the top end and likely, yeah, might have a little bit more from there, but likely starts to roll over and play dead, like what we would anticipate a bearish asset to do inside a cycle, uh, quad two kind of a cycle. But when we look at stuff, stuff that's happening at the farm level, right? So this was a statistic that came out this last week that is, to me, very, very stunning. But fertilizer costs are up 176% on a year-over-year basis. They're up 130% above their five-year high. Now, if you think about that, 44% of food costs are fertilizer costs. The last time I checked, it's not likely that this food inflation that we're experiencing is going to just be transitory and we're going to wake up a month from now and it's gone. This is going to work. And so it's so difficult and so damaging because really the only way to fight inflation is to be long of it, to own it. And so many people do that with the way in which they not only manage their funds, but what they have access to. So I say this just so that people can recognize and understand that while everybody at the Fed level keeps telling you that the, Fed, that, that the inflation scenario is transitory, meaning it's just going to kind of go away over time. Well, one, they never define the time. And number two, it's not going away in the next couple of months. It's going to be sticky high, at least for the next, I don't know, maybe quarter. It's hard to say. <clears throat> at some point, it will roll over. And when it rolls over, it's likely to roll over really, really hard. But we don't see that happening in Q4 at all, and probably not into Q1 either. It'll moderate, but in Q4, we're anticipating that inflation cycle to just kind of rip higher. Talking this week with Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management, the website careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. The telephone number today is today. Pick up the phone, give Chris a call, 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. And again, the website careformywealth.com. We're going to dig in a little bit more into those inflation numbers. And uh, you heard Chris mention owning inflation, ways to do that, whether it's, uh, I know we've talked in the past a bit about uh, options with owning inflation, but also with food inflation, what that means for you. We'll get the details from Chris as we continue. Care for my wealth next here on Fox Sports 1070, the game. This is Care For My Wealth here, Fox Sports 1070, the game. Of course, hanging out with Chris Klein as we do Saturday mornings. Don't forget you can learn more about Chris and the whole team at Capstone Wealth Management on the website, careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. Great resource there. Also, telephone number to give Chris a call, 866-596-9886. 
That's 866-596-9886. And if, of course, you missed any part of today's program, uh, you can always listen back to the podcast at careformywealth.com as well as foxsports1070thegame.com. And if you missed the telephone number, I'll give it out a couple more times. So get your pen ready and, of course, get the phone ready as well to give Chris a call. And, Chris, uh, before that break there, we were talking inflation, and I know we'll probably get quite a bit more into inflation, but one of those areas um, that I think probably got a lot of folks just everybody's ears to perk up was, was adding food before inflation, which obviously has um, there's, there's financial implications, but obviously that does lead to panic and concern as well. What, what do we, should we make of, of food inflation and, and what's kind of the, what's kind of the position there to, to help maybe secure yourself? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, it's always hard to know exactly how this might ultimately flow through, but, you know, it kind of starts at that producer level, you know, the PPI level. In case of farms and farming, if one of their biggest input costs in terms of generating that food is fertilizer costs to create, you know, the grains, wheats, soybeans, uh, corn, things of that nature, if, if 44% of the, you know, the, the, the food costs are in fertilizer costs and fertilizer is up 176, 180% year over year, I mean, you know, farmers are buying this stuff right now for the planting season going into spring, or many of them are operating under futures contracts to try and, you know, help uh, help minimize what the impact might be. <clears throat> All that stuff is going to get flowed through, right? And we know it's going to ultimately get flow- flowed through. We just don't know to what extent. You can never tell, you know, because really it's going to be a function of how markets trade these things. But the machine is going to start to chase the, the, the commodity assets, again, we think even more, primarily because the U.S. dollar is likely to be topping out here or getting close and, and resuming its bearish trend. Um, but, you know, just to give you an idea. So one of the things that happens on Wall Street is that when an asset class has one month momentum, the machine chases it, right? Momentum just simply means it's net positive and, and rising, Right. And you look at it on a month-over-month basis. It's as simple as looking at what's the price change on a one-month one basis for the particular asset class that you're talking about. Month-over-month, month, corn is up five and a quarter percent. Wheat's up eight point oh six percent. Copper is up five percent. Oil's up nine and a half percent. Oil's a pretty big input cost in terms of doing anything that creates, you know, food assets. You, you got to plow the fields. You got to milk the cows. You got to you know, you got to do all the stuff, right? <clears throat> Copper, what's that for? Well, it's huge in electrification. You know, everybody wants to get excited about electrifying the world. Well, okay, that's fine. But, you know, it's not one, as clean as you think it is. And two, it's not going to be cheap. Just, you know, just saying. So, you know, the Fed has been very, very much behind on what's been happening. And, you know, one of the things that uh, we did is went back and kind of looked at what the Fed meetings were were doing back in September of 2020. So if you read the minutes from the Federal Open Market Committee uh, meeting, September 15, 16 of 2020, the consensus view at, at the Fed level, all the Fed members, right, based on, you know, the outputs from all of their models, there were like 18 different projections. The vast majority of them believed that headline PCE, PCE is just the Fed's uh, code for inflation, essentially. That's what they like to look at. They believed that the headline PCE for 2021 would be in the range of about 1.5 to say 1.8, maybe 2% tops, right? The vast majority of them believed that the risks to inflation, i.e. PCE, was weighted to the downside. (laughs) 
Well, clearly we know the rest of the story at this point, right? I mean, on the PCE front, the last report that came in on a headline PCE in August came in at a positive 4.3% year over year. That was my point in the first segment. That's 150% larger than the Fed's estimates from less than a year ago. Now think about that. So the core reading came in at 3.6% year over year, and that was more uh, more than double their projections too. So, you know, even though the Fed is now admitting that inflation is here, they keep trying to say that it's just going to be transitory, that it's just going to slow down. But again, as I said, this is not just a domestic thing. This is a global thing. So let's look at some PPI numbers real quickly on a global scale. France, their PPI number on a year-over-year basis for September was up 11.6%. Sweden was up 17.2%. Spain, up 23.6%. Germany, their import prices were up 17.7%. So yeah, I mean, I get it that those are European data points and, and those aren't consumer prices. But one of the things that we've been talking about is that inflation is global. PPI input prices naturally lead consumer prices. And the divergences that we're seeing between PPI and, and CPI globally literally are at the highest on record. Maybe some of it is transitory. I don't know. It's always possible. Some of it just kind of all of a sudden goes poof and goes away. But the reality is, the likelihood is, is that we're just going to see these CPI data points dragged higher alongside the fact that we keep seeing these PPI data points dragged higher. And so, as I mentioned, probably one of the most intelligent, one of the most only ways to be able to battle inflation is just to be long of it. And I know that that's very, very hard for some people who have assets that uh, you know don't have exposure capability to things that are uh, that that are commodity in in nature, that are commodity driven. And you know, on top of that, we're watching the supply uh, of uh, of many of these commodities go down. Um, just this past week, in fact, stockpiles uh, at the Cushing, Oklahoma storage hub uh, for oil fell to like 31.2 million barrels. Now, that number alone doesn't mean anything. And as I've said a bajillion times, the number doesn't matter. What matters is what's the rate of change? Well, that's down 50% on a year-over-year basis. So the stockpile of oil at that very important hub down in Cushing, Oklahoma is down a half. Now, the last time I checked, ordinary basic economics suggests that if demand is going up and supply is going down, your price is likely to increase. <laughs> now, you know, that that story in and of itself, the fact that those 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 storage barrels have fallen to that level, we can look at it and say, eh, all right, fine, let it be anecdotal in nature. Maybe even we'll call it a narrative, whatever. But the reality is, is it's a deceleration at a monumental scale. <clears throat> Crude oil stocks in general down 12.6% year over year. Natural gas supplies down 11.8% year over year. Heating oil down 22% year over year. Power coal down 35.5% year over year. Gasoline, propane down 4 and 25% respectively. I could go on, but you get the point, right? Inventories of commodities that drive power, heat our economy, They've seen massive drawdowns on a year-over-year -year basis, and in some cases, records, right? How is that just going to be transitory and magically go away over the next year, month, quarter? I don't know, especially when we've got an environment where administration says, you can't drill here. You can't do anything oil-related here. No pipelines. <laughs> okay, well, then you're just going to have the fact that costs are going to go through the roof. 
I don't know where it ends. I really don't. I mean, you've seen the stories, places like California, where they're paying seven and a half dollars a gallon of gas. Yeah. Right. How long before that comes here? I don't know. Right. But the reality is, is that these things are important to recognize at a time when we know inflation is on the rise. And the machine will start to chase these commodities because that's where the return is. Right or wrong, it's just the reality of how it works. So when the machine starts chasing these commodities, driving prices higher because they've got to get better returns inside their fund, well, what's that going to do with price? It's going to increase prices. It's, you know, it's, it's not rocket science, but it's hard to follow for a lot of people because they don't just follow the data points as intimately as what we do on a day-by-day basis. But that's how you end up with a lot of these, uh, you know, a lot of these pressures at hand. Talking today with Chris Klein of Capstone Wealth Management, the website careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. Telephone number 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886 for Chris of Capstone Wealth Management. And his in, uh, email address is info at careformywealth.com. That's I-N-F-O at careformywealth.com. So, and then as we talk about uh, about inflation, we talk about costs and we talk about production, um, owning inflation, oil, natural gas, those type of places, good places to be? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, they're generally a great place to be inside quad two anyway, mm-hmm. because that inflation number is accelerating uh, while that quad two develops. <clears throat> but definitely as the signals are suggesting, it's a good time to do it simply because the dollar is tapping what what the math suggests is very, very close to the top, if not the top, right? Now, does that mean that the dollar is going to go down to 50 on DXY from 94? No, it just means that it's at a point where it's not likely to just rip higher. Could it go a little higher from here? Of course. <clears throat> but again, what we see is this environment where consensus is so heavily net long in the US dollar and all the other currencies on a global scale, at least the major ones, are bullish against the dollar, that has a tendency to drive that dollar lower. And when again, when you have the kinds of things happening on a spending cycle, like what we see happening, that has a tendency to uh, you know, to push the dollar lower on top of it. So, you know, yeah, all of these places are great places to be. You just have to recognize that commodities carry with them a little bit more volatility, so it's a good idea to get really broadly diversified amongst the uh, you know the, uh, the commodity classes that are available, and and we try very hard to do that. The other thing to be very uh, focused on is that you don't get too big in any one. For us, our maximum position in any one commodity is four percent of an account. That's it. And now, granted, we can have ten different commodities in the account at four percent, but they're they're spread out amongst things like you know livestock corn, soybeans, wheat, uranium, copper, zinc, aluminum, oil, natural gas, all that stuff, right? And so they don't necessarily always move in lockstep with one another, but they have a tendency to be directionally uh, different than the dollar. Dollar up, commodity down. And that's what you had yesterday. Commodities were on sale because the dollar was up big. And, And that causes dollar bulls to get excited they get complacent, and when they get complacent in the streets overly long in any one asset class, that's when you have a tendency to start to see it fly, uh, fall over and, and do something different. <laughs> so that's our expectation. You know, Will it happen Monday? Don't know. Will it happen Tuesday? Don't know. There's some catalysts this next week. Obviously, the Fed meeting, 
this next week is a catalyst. The jobs report on Friday is a bit of a catalyst. Um, we think that the jobs report on Friday is going to be one of those catalysts that drives interest rates higher. And as that happens, it likely is to be uh, the kind of environment where we see the dollar do the opposite of that. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see. Time will tell. We'll talk about that next week. If I was uh, right or wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'll own it. As and <laughs> as you're you're and what's interesting, by the way, you mentioned that is is um, I know you talk about kind of where you know a, a little bit about about how you work at Capstone Wealth Management and 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 kind of your your planning and all the research and work that goes into it. And you mentioned sometimes, sometimes you're off a little bit. Sometimes it's, 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 it's slightly off here, slightly off there. And we've reviewed and, and talked about that, which is, it's, is always very fascinating um, to hear and, and kind of understand what, what and how that, that inner working um, happens. And of course, the great thing talking with Chris Klein each and every week, of course, here on care for my wealth, Fox sports, 1070, you can learn more about Chris and the whole team at Capstone wealth management on their website, careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. Telephone number 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. And you can email Chris as well. His email address is info at careformywealth.com. That's I N F O at careformywealth.com. We'll continue our conversation with Chris. We will do that next as Care For My Wealth continues here on Fox Sports 1070, The Game. This is Care For My Wealth here, Fox Sports 1070, The Game. You can learn more about Chris from Capstone Wealth Management on the website, careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. Telephone number at Capstone Wealth Management. Talk with Chris, 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. And Chris's email, info at careformywealth.com. That's I-N-F-O at careformywealth.com. Dot com and as we're talking uh, inflation, Chris, this isn't just a a uh, North American thing. Uh, this is a global issue, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, one of the other areas that that we're seeing uh, a considerable amount of inflation in is uh, is home price appreciation. Now, most people will say, "Oh, hallelujah, my house keeps getting more expensive." Um, yeah, that's awesome until the feds decide they want to tax your, uh, your unrealized gains. Imagine what that would look like, right? <laughs> you heard that proposal, right? No, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard, I haven't heard much about it though. I've heard people mentioning it here and there, but. Uh. Oh yeah. They want to, they want to, they want to put into law that your, your unrealized gains, not your realized gains, not what you bought and then sold for a gain gets taxed. They want to, they want to tax your unrealized gains on top of it, right? How do you do that? Who knows? I, I no, it's just insanity, right? I mean, and so if they did that, that would mean, you know, I would suspect capital assets in general, well, homes are capital assets. So who knows? I don't personally think that they're going to get that one by at all. But the point is, is that home price appreciation continues to kind of be on a tear um, in fact, the September uh, U.S. new home sales numbers came in this past week at up an additional 800,000, which was ahead of consensus. So it's an acceleration of the number. They expected 760. Um, and it was an acceleration from the, the August number, which came in at 702. So it's a pretty healthy acceleration. And, and when you look at the uh, Case-Shiller Home Price uh, Index, it was up like 1% on a month-over-month basis. So you know, we're, we're watching these, these numbers go, but what's interesting 
is that home price appreciation leads OER, which is owner equivalent rent, i.e. rents. So as home prices tend to go, rents tend to go with them. Now that's not so good for people who are renting. And oftentimes a lot of the folks who are renting are in many instances renting and and it's not because they they want to rent, it's because that's what they need to do, right? Um, maybe they ne- might not have enough capital for a down payment on a home, things of that nature. And so obviously the, the inflationary cycle for a lot of those folks becomes even more problematic. Now, how much are the rents going to go up? I have no idea, but they're likely to go longer than people think, you know? And, and so we just are just very, very focused on the fact that this inflation stuff is very real. It, it is hurtful and, and it's just not going, don't expect it to just go away next month, right? If you happen to rent, it wouldn't be surprising to continue to see your rents accelerate over the next probably quarter, maybe even two. That stuff is likely to go a lot longer than people think, you know, at least on, on the home price stuff. Um, and, and the primary reason of that is just the supply. I mean, we're pretty much at a record low of inventory of houses on the market. I don't know if you knew that. A lot of people don't really recognize that the inventory for new homes is just that low. Well, when you have inventory that's basically at rock bottom and what do you, well, there's demand, you're, you're going to see prices go up. So as home price appreciation continues to accelerate, you just kind of have to anticipate and expect that that flows through to, uh, you know, to rents on top of it. Man, I'm just a ball of good news yeah. today, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it, well, it's important. These are these are just important things to, to realize and understand kind of, you know, what's going on globally, what's going on locally. And I know, I feel like it was like early back in maybe June or July, we talked, I think we did a whole show talking about shelter and rent and and, and what, what you foresaw and what, you know, you're continuing to echo how many months later about, about things not getting any better. We actually got a, a letter this past week from a, from a development company offering to, and it wasn't enough, but not that there ever would be enough, but offering to develop <laughs> some of our property saying just out of the blue saying, Hey, if you're interested in selling, we'd love to put some houses. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Is, they're just looking for places and, and it's, it's uh it's yeah. a, it's a tough, tough spot right now. And you mentioned renters, that's uh, a tough position to be in. It is. And, you know, to your point, builders know that there's just not enough inventory out there, you know, and so they're busy. Obviously, the jobs front is difficult because they oftentimes can't get enough people to come to work. And, you know, when you're building a house, you need some skilled labor in there. And uh, and, and that's getting harder to find, which all pre- all of that stuff pressures price, you know. So it's it's just the reality that we're having to deal with right now. Now, come Q2 of next year, it's highly likely we're talking about something completely opposite mm-hmm. as the market is thinking that what's happening is going to continue. So what I'm saying is, is that it's a mathematical impossibility to see an acceleration of both growth and inflation in Q2 of 2022, which would, of course, get re- reported after Q2 is over. <laughs> so it's likely markets are going to be sniffing that out. And that's where you start to see things rolling over. And that's where you have a tendency to see the value of volatility metrics give you some clues, you know. And you know, one of the things that's important to ask yourself is is what are, what does a portfolio of risk based assets look like if RVX, which is the Russell volatility metric, is down at fifteen? What's it look like if VIX, which is the S and P five hundred volatility metric, is down at ten? 
it's likely that the bull market ends with VIX sitting at nine and 10. Well, obviously we're not there yet. We're running 17. But remember just even a month ago, VIX was popping up above 28, giving really, really massive buy opportunities right into the end of the month because big guys were jamming prices down. Well, now we're in a situation where VIX is having a hard time getting above 17. And it just keeps washing out. And the same thing's happening with the oil market. If you follow OVX, which is the oil market volatility index, it just keeps washing out. So that washout is likely to continue, at least based on the mathematics of what we're seeing for price volume and volatility of the volatility. And when you get that, it, you, you have to take advantage of it when it comes because it's not going to last forever. We're going to get to the point again where all of a sudden we're, we're moving into a completely different economic quadrant. And so we really got to take advantage of the opportunity to make some money now while this quad two cycle is developing and just getting stronger. It, it, because the street doesn't see it yet. <laughs> They're still looking at, you know, well, I went over what the Fed thought, right? They're still looking at, at, at inflation numbers, half of what reality is. The Atlanta now Fed forecast for GDP is like zero. It's like nothing. No, our numbers are coming in at almost 6%. Ooh. That's a strong acceleration, you know? And again, our risk management partner that compiles and works through all this data at Hedgeye Risk Management continues to just build all these data points and they just keep continuing to cycle themselves on an accelerating basis. So until that changes, that's the cycle we have to play. And until that uh, that that environment tells us that something different is happening, like all of a sudden decelerations of growth and inflation are here, we're going to continue to do what we're doing. And on down days like yesterday, because the dollar was up, we're buying commodities. And on down days of interest rates, like what we saw last week, we shorted piles of treasuries. And our anticipation is that the hawkish jobs report for next week drives interest rates higher, gives us an opportunity to unwind those shorts on the treasury side uh, at a better price. The volatility of treasury bonds mm -hmm. broke above 70 now, that number doesn't mean a whole lot to most people, but I can tell you when treasury bond volatility breaks above 70, bad juju, not a good place to own bonds. Good things don't happen when volatility is that high in that asset class, becomes uninvestable, which is why we short them, right? So a lot of stuff happening, you can tell. It is, yeah. <laughs> as, we, as we talk about all these, all this stuff that is happening, it's also a good time to be taking steps for yourself and your family, and it's a good time to talk with Chris. All you got to do is pick up the phone, give him a call at Capstone Wealth Management. The telephone number, 866-596-9886. That's 866-596-9886. Of course, we just scratched the surface each and every week with Chris. Chris is very actively involved in all aspects of planning. And again, he'd love to help you out. All you got to do is give him a call, 866-596-9886. You can learn more about Chris and the whole team at Capstone Wealth Management on their website, careformywealth.com. That's careformywealth.com. And one more time with the telephone number, 866-596-9886. Chris, it's always great hanging out with you, despite what's going on globally. It's always good talking with you and getting some great insight. You have a great weekend, my friend. Thanks for putting up with me. Have a great day. <laughs> this is Capstone Wealth Management's Care for My Wealth here, Fox Sports 1070, The Game. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.